report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. 35,000. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. That's how many illegal immigrants crossed over into the U.S. over the southern border just during this past Christmas weekend. And another major migrant caravan is now working its way northward through Mexico toward the U.S. Top Biden administration officials are in Mexico to meet with that country's president looking for help slowing the flow, but hopes aren't high. On Mexico's end, it's not clear what more the leaders or politicians can offer to help put an end to the unprecedented wave of migrants heading to the U.S. Mexico has urged the U.S. to invest more to create jobs in the region. CBS's Adrian Barr, the Biden administration has insisted all along America's southern border is secure. Cochise County, Arizona Sheriff Mark Daniels. Those are false narratives. That's political theater at its worst. I say that. You, you talk to any Border Patrol agent on this border, they'll tell you. If they could speak to the media, they could speak to the public, they tell you that's not true. And what do migrants think? Listen to what this man had to say through a translator. The president of the United States must help us because we are migrants. In reality, some of us only go to the U.S. for four, five, six, seven years and then return to our country. For this reason, we demand that Joe Biden help us. Mexico's president says the best thing the U.S. could do is make more jobs available near the border. The border crisis didn't relent over Christmas, neither did the fighting in the Middle East. Israel intensified its pursuit of Hamas in Gaza and also faced increased attacks from Iran-backed Hezbollah forces to the north. Fox correspondent Trey Yink says tensions growing between Israel and Iran. After an airstrike Monday likely conducted by Israel killed IRGC commander Saeed Razi Mousavi outside of Damascus, Syria. Iranian leadership vowed a harsh response. With Tehran's foreign minister issuing an ominous statement saying Tel Aviv needs to count down. There were also more attacks on U.S. forces in the Middle East, one of which critically injured a U.S. soldier. That prompted more U.S. retaliation. We have significant firepower in the region, but it's not there just to just to be seen. We've got to use it. It's not just showing force. You've got to have resolve and the willingness to actually employ it, to use it. Defense industry analyst Rebecca Heinrichs. A win for former President Donald Trump and his battle to stay on state ballots. The Michigan Supreme Court rejecting an attempt to take former President Trump off the 2024 primary ballot. The ruling comes after the controversial decision by Colorado's highest court to remove the former president from the ballot last week. That Colorado decision is being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The group that filed the Michigan lawsuit also unsuccessfully tried to keep Trump off of Minnesota's ballot and is trying to do the same in Oregon. While all of that is going on, President Biden is headed out of town on vacation. The president and first lady scheduled to arrive in St. Croix later this afternoon due to head back to D.C. after the new year. A Christmas blizzard disrupted vacations and other plans in parts of the plains and upper Midwest. Powerful winter storm brought heavy snow, strong winds, freezing rain to areas of South Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, and Wyoming. This woman's flight got canceled. I'm just a middle school teacher wanting to go on vacation, and I don't get to do that now. 
Two-day snowfall totals will probably top a foot in some areas as that storm winds down. For most of us, it's been a December to remember for its mild weather. This road crew supervisor in Michigan says they've been able to sneak in some extra work. It really lets us extend the fall season or maybe start the spring season early because the ground's not froze. He says they've been able to get some drainage projects done that they normally couldn't accomplish in December. A new study suggests there's a direct link between COVID infections and heart attacks. A Baylor infectious disease expert says it's different from the arrhythmias that have been widely reported linked to COVID. Research shows the virus is able to infect the blood supply to the heart. It found the risk goes up among those with pre-existing conditions, including those who have had a previous heart attack. Two fishermen say it's a miracle. They found a man who'd been trapped for days in his pickup truck, which crashed under a bridge in northwest Indiana. The men say they were walking along a creek looking for some fishing spots when they saw the wrecked truck under an I-94 bridge and noticed the driver still inside. I looked inside and moved the white airbag and uh, he th there was a body in there and uh, I went to touch it and he turned around and that just uh, it almost killed me there because it, it was kind of shocking but uh, he was alive the driver told them he'd crashed there last Wednesday and was trapped, unable to reach his cell phone to call for help. What to do with that Christmas tree once it's time to go? Sometimes the trees are used to rebuild areas after storms. Other times they're used as feed and mulch for farmers. There's even a Facebook group that connects tree lot owners to recycling opportunities. CBS's Jen Clark, and they're getting ready to have a ball in the Big Apple. Today, the New Year's Eve ball in Times Square is getting all blinged out, loaded with close to 3,000 new Waterford crystals. They're attached to thousands of LEDs that can light up in more than 8,000 different colors. The ball is massive, too. It's 12 feet wide and weighs almost six tons. CBS's Stacey Limp. Still to come on the noon report, a central New York congressman gets swatted. Chick-fil-A's Sunday closing policy defended. And the ups and downs of a mild December around the listing area. I'm Kevin Williams calling for our gray skies to persist for a while and there'll be some more rain and fog at times. Forecast hotels are up. We'll see you in 10 minutes. Very good, Kevin. Now checking the stories, making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. An investigation's underway into a swatting incident that targeted the Cayuga County home of Congressman Brandon Williams. Police responded to a call about a shooting at his home Monday afternoon. I got a call that I didn't recognize the number and I went to voicemail and in just reflexively, I looked at it and said, it's the sheriff, uh, their office, we're on our way to your house uh, for a shooting incident. And I uh, called them back and I said, hey, everything's cool here. Williams District covers all of Onondaga and Madison counties and part of Oswego County. Some youth-related trouble at area shopping malls. At least one teen arrested after large crowds gathered at the Walding Galleria near Buffalo. Authorities eventually had to use pepper spray to break things up. And a 17-year-old was taken into custody. And in the Rochester area, no arrest made after disturbances at the mall at Grease Ridge. Authorities there say a group of about two dozen juveniles refused to leave until police were brought in to break things up. One person was detained but eventually released to a parent. The mall closed early as a precaution. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham in Manhattan today to drive home a point to New York state lawmakers who want to mess with Chick-fil-A. The downstate Democrat, who's on the record opposing the popular fast food franchise's conservative policies, is pushing a bill mandating that Chick-fil-A locations along the New York State Thruway stay open on Sundays. The company is noted for closing on Sundays to allow its employees time to go to church, says Graham. I'm sure this is a publicity stunt, but the idea that the state of New York is going to make a company change its policy 
policies they had from its founding. They want to have one day off for the employees to recognize the Lord, and they can do it. To the people in New York who are pushing this, you're in for a fight. Democrat Tony Simone insists the bill's purpose is solely to allow travelers to have a diversity of food options. Currently, there are nine Chick-fil-A's located at rest stops in the state. A Pennsylvania bill is in the works that would require schools to consider installing panic alarms. We get the story from Family Life's Sarah Harnish. Four Pennsylvania lawmakers are proposing the bill, saying hitting the button during a school shooting would create faster response times and save lives. A panic button instantly dials pre-programmed numbers and plays a pre-recorded message to recipients. It then goes into broadcast-only mode, allowing people on the receiving end to hear what is transpiring in the room. If the bill passes, Pennsylvania would be the sixth state to enact such a measure. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Thank you, Sarah. A new case of avian flu detected in Pennsylvania after the state had gone several months without a case. Officials say the new case was detected in a game bird flock in Lower Mahanoy Township in Northumberland County. An area farm has been quarantined nearly half-mile perimeter set up around it. WHTM meteorologist Eric Finkenbinder is also a chicken owner. I've got chickens in my backyard. Uh, I can carry the avian flu on my clothes or on my boots if I'm going out to feed the chickens. If, if I'm going to perhaps a, a holiday gathering and got other farmers nearby, we can certainly transmit that to other locations. So we just have to be a little cautious, uh, especially when we're gathering, just so we don't spread the avian flu. Agriculture officials say poultry and eggs continue to be safe to eat. Christmas can be heartwarming for sure, but it also can be a challenge to your actual heart. Christmas and New Year's see the highest level of heart attacks out of the entire year, a stat that experts chalk up to a combination of factors, cold weather that constricts blood flow, holiday stress, and poor eating habits. Heart failure expert Dr. Scott Vitale at Rochester General Hospital tells Spectrum News. And that's Murphy's Law. Things are going to go wrong when you least expect them. Obviously, it's a time of joy and happiness for a lot of people, but at the hospital, we start worrying. Maybe something's been brewing for a couple of weeks. But they're like, man, I do not want to be stuck in the hospital for the holidays. I don't want to ruin everyone's vacation. And so they, they ignore symptoms that they shouldn't. Since most heart attacks actually happen at home, he also says it's important for at least one member of each household to know how to perform life-saving CPR. Well, however hard you might have dreamt of a white Christmas, ski resort owners in the listing area probably dreamt a bit harder. Mild temperatures and rain, though, continue to dominate our winter, and ski resorts are among those businesses coping the best they can. Dash Hegeman with Holiday Valley Resort in Ellicottville, New York, tells WGRZ they literally save up some snow for a rainy day. And those windows that we've had where we've been able to make snow, uh, we stockpile as much as we can on the side of the slopes, make some large mounds of snow that we ideally let cure for a little bit. When it's needed, grooming teams move that stockpiled snow to cover up bare spots. The skier says while he'd love some fresh powder, the soggy snow does have at least one plus. There's a lot more water on the ground, which is going to make your the skis, the bases of your skis slide quicker. And if you're going to fall, today would be the do it. Like It's all basically slush. Also hurting so far in this mild winter, Gerlach's power equipment in Erie, Pennsylvania, normally raking in some cold hard cash, selling plowing services and snow blowers. Co-owner Adam Gerlach tells Erie News Now. This is uh, definitely unusual. The snow plowing, it affects quite a bit. Obviously, there's no snow to plow or remove or anything like that. His sales manager, Harvey Waldinger. When there's no snow, nobody's looking to buy a snow thrower. We are prepared for whatever winter brings, and hopefully in January, February, we'll have some winter. Meanwhile... 
A mild weather's been a bonus for some others. This Christmas golf shot you just heard was at Sleepy Hollow Golf Course near Carbondale. Some of those golfers spoke to WNEP. It's just good to get out and play when there's no time left in the year. So can't, get on, can't go skiing, so got to go golfing instead. I actually played in some snow uh, this year already. I played in early December and there was some snow on the ground, so it's a lot nicer than that, though. <laughs> Course owner Nick Petralik says the mild weather is a nice bonus not only for the golfers but for his business. This is a nice break and hopefully we'll get a couple more of them and so yeah anytime that the the weather looks decent there's guys will come out guys and gals will come out anytime they can find their ball without having to dig in the snow for it. Petralik says his phone started ringing off the hook Christmas Day with anxious golfers looking to come out of hibernation for at least one more round this year. From December golf to the rest of the sports news here's Randy. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, when you're setting records in your sport, it's normally something you're proud of, but every now and then, a new record is something you really don't want to be known for, and such is the case for the Detroit Pistons. They just set an NBA record for the most consecutive losses in a season. The Brooklyn Nets handed Detroit a 118-112 defeat behind a 24-point performance by Cameron Johnson and 20 21 from Mikael Bridges. The loss for the Pistons, their 27th in a row. They are now 2-28 and 28 on the season. Elsewhere on the hardwood, the Magic beat the Wizards 127-119. The Bulls got past Atlanta 118-113. Indiana, a 123-117 winner over Houston. In overtime, the Grizzlies edged the Pelicans 116-115. Yamarant, fresh off being named Player of the Week, had his third 30-point performance in four games. He finished with 31 in the victory. The Thunder beat up on the T-Wolves 129 to 106. The Spurs fell to the Jazz 130 to 118. Portland no trouble with Sacramento 130 to 113 and the Clippers knocked off Charlotte 113 to 104. In baseball news, the New York Yankees have traded away their former top prospect to Cleveland for pitching help. Outfielder Estevan Florial shipped to the Guardians in exchange for pitcher Cody Morris. Morris went 2-1 with a 3-2-3 ERA and four starts and 17 relief appearances in the minors last season. And in football, the Jaguars could be without their starting quarterback for Week 17's game against Carolina. Trevor Lawrence has a sprained AC joint. That is a look at sports. All right, thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, our Sarah Harnish with an amazing story from a South Carolina church. Hi, welcome to Breakpoint. I'm John Stone Street. During this Christmas week, we're going to take a look back at some of the most important Breakpoint commentaries of the past year. Today, the COVID-19 pandemic and associated lockdowns seem, at least to most of us, like an extended nightmare from yesterday. However, at least some of the ways that our lives changed have stuck with us. For example, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the number of Americans working primarily from home has tripled since 2019. Many people will never go back to full-time commuting, nor do they want to, although there are signs of a reset on the horizon. And another change, one even more consequential for individuals and our society at large, is the large-scale exodus from in-person church services. According to Pew Research, though nearly all houses of worship had resumed regular in-person services by this time last year, disappointingly few Christians have returned. 
Researchers from the Survey Center on American Life and the University of Chicago found that last year, one-third of Americans admitted to never attending religious services. That's up from a quarter of Americans before the pandemic. They also found no lockdown-induced surge in atheism or drop in religious affiliation to explain those numbers. Instead, for the most part, religious identity remained stable through the pandemic. Apparently, large numbers of people who once identified as Christians have now decided they no longer need to attend church. While COVID might have been the impetus behind this exodus, the root causes are pre-existing and go much deeper. Too many Christians think of church as they would an event, a concert, a TED Talk, optional experiences that can just as easily be consumed online. When combined with pastors and leaders who view the core purpose of church as evangelism rather than discipleship or worship and are therefore willing to do whatever seems to quote-unquote work, well then success is just as easily measured by logins and views after the pandemic as it was by attendance numbers and growth size before the pandemic. If we're not willing to challenge the sacred cows of our culture, if we aren't up to preaching what Tom Holland has called the weird stuff of the Christian faith, we'll find, and perhaps even now we're already finding, that no one's interested in what we have to say, because we really aren't saying much that's worth hearing. Our embodied and relational nature, which required an embodied and relational salvation, is one of those things we have to stay faithful to. Thus, the author of Hebrews warns his readers not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves, as is the habit of some. And thus, when the Apostle Paul sought to explain the relationship between Christ and his church, he invoked marriage. The love between a husband and wife symbolizes the love Jesus has for his bride. The profound mystery to which Paul refers is this total union, body and soul, between the Savior and his saved people. Our lives in Christ are, in a sense, as physical as a marriage. If you wouldn't try a purely virtual relationship with your spouse, you shouldn't try a purely virtual relationship with Christ or his people. Both of these relationships require and deeply involve our bodies. And Christ could not have made this any clearer than he did by placing a family meal at the center of Christian worship and then commanding us to take and eat. So unless we're limited by some health issue, unless we're attending a house church, or unless we're using really creative sanctuary furnishings, Christians should always choose pews over couches. And churches should always choose the truth claims and practices of Holy Scripture over market-driven research. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, please go to colsoncenter.org. Hi, this is John Stone Street with Breakpoint. I've got some exciting news for Breakpoint listeners who share our mission of equipping Christians with the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to have a courageous faith in this cultural moment. For the final weeks of 2023, a $50,000 matching gift opportunity has been provided by a generous donor. That means that your gift will be doubled when you support the Colson Center before December 31st. So please partner with us to equip more Christians in 2024. Gift today at colsoncenter.org slash December. That's colsoncenter.org slash December. All right, now let's check in with meteorologist Kevin Williams. I'm Kevin Williams, and here is your family life weather forecast. It will be cloudy and mild this afternoon into tonight, with rain at times along with areas of fog. The high this afternoon, 48 to 53, and the low tonight, generally in the 40s. For tomorrow, cloudy skies, a couple of showers and some drizzle. High temps in the 40s and low 50s. On Friday, cloudy, brisk, a couple of rain and snow showers around. Friday high temperature, primarily in the 40s. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm
and Family Life news anchor Sarah Harnish. And we've got a special feature for you today in the Noon Report. With me is Pastor Wayne Bray, the lead pastor of First Baptist Simpsonville in South Carolina. Their church has baptized 141 people in a single Sunday. And I brought him in to talk about it and to talk about where the Christian church nationwide is heading in 2024. Hello, Pastor Bray. Hi, Sarah. I was scrolling through the news yesterday and I saw your church on Fox News and then I saw it on the Christian Post and then I saw it on CBN and then the Christian Broadcast Network and then the Southern Baptist Convention page. You've had a pretty crazy week. It has been absolutely unbelievable for sure. So your South Carolina church just baptized 141 people in one day and in one of the articles that I read it said your average is 35. (laughs) So that's quite a bit of a jump. In that single building that would be like one in every 10 people in the service. You didn't have that many registered to start. So can you walk me through that morning and tell me what happened? Sure. That particular month, we were preaching a series on the ordinances. And so that message that day was on baptism. And so as the week progressed, uh, we were absolutely blown away. By Friday, we had the 86 folks who had already determined they wanted to follow the Lord in, in believers' baptism. And so it was just the entire week was exciting. And we could tell something special was going to happen. We had an additional 55 people make decisions in the services to be baptized on the spot. So they actually went to counseling for just a short time, 10 minutes or so prior to going to the baptistry so we could confirm. We didn't want people to just make an emotional decision, but the whole week leading up to in the day was just remarkable. It was an amazing day for us. What were you feeling as you're standing there knowing you got about 86 people to go through in the middle of the service and then you almost doubled that number while you're standing there? I mean, what does that feel like to see all these people coming up to the altar? Yeah, it was remarkable to experience for sure. It literally took, I think, 45 minutes or so out of the service. I should say we went long, too. (laughs) Three minutes to give the sermon that day. (laughs) That's right. Some people said the biggest miracle of the day is that Baptist stayed in the room 20 minutes after the service was supposed to be over. So that was a miracle right there. But (laughs) (laughs) I love this quote from one of the articles. It was like living in the book of Acts. It seemed as if we were in the pages ourselves. Can you tell me why? Yes, I know everything's unique based on personal experience. And, you know, I've even heard of far more baptisms at one time. I recently heard of a a massive event in California where thousands were baptized on a beach. So I know that for some people, 141, maybe they would be like, well, what's the big deal? But for us, I've never been a part of anything that that sizable as far as that many people making decisions in one day. We've seen a lot of people baptized over a period of a year. But just that moment, seeing that many people make decisions, for me, it really did. It was kind of reminiscent of thinking of Pentecost, even though I know on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added and baptized. But it was just not that anything's based on feeling, but it was a feeling of you could literally just sense the Spirit's presence there with us that day. It was really special. What do you do after they get baptized that ensures that they're plugged into Jesus? We have just this last year put together what we're calling our spiritual formation team, which consists of four different pastors with evangelism, disciples, and connections. And all of those pastors serving together under a team leader really have worked 
through producing a system which we we actually, when someone walks in the front door or the first contact we have with someone, we have a system and a process by which we're trying to walk them through a spiritual journey of growth, regardless of where they are on the spectrum. Because, I mean, that's the thing that's so difficult is everyone's Christian experience is different. And some people come as infants. Some people maybe have a little more growth in their background, but they have really developed a process that includes mentoring, discipleship, community and growth uh, through groups. I'm just proud of that team. I'm going to take a step back and just look at the bigger picture of what's happening. You know, this one church in South Carolina and all of these baptisms, which is unusual for one single Sunday. But overall, it's been a pretty crazy year for churches and for Christians. I mean, you've got the thousands that attended Asbury University's spontaneous worship sessions in Kentucky. That went on for 144 unbroken hours. You have the Pirates Cove baptisms that you mentioned in California, the record-breaking sales of the Jesus Revolution movie. That film grossed $54 million, and it made Netflix's Mm. top five spot. People were interested in a movie about getting saved. God's just doing a special work. I don't think um, that I'm being a prophet and saying that, you know, the next great awakening is coming. I certainly hope it is, and I'm praying every day that God would just continue to light fires around the country through the power of His Spirit. I do think there's something special happening. I don't know that this is fair to say across the board, but I feel like what I see God honoring in our church and through our ministry and the people that I know best is a unique combination of what we point to in John 1.14, where the scriptures say that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. And I do think that is somewhat of an equation that the church has lost over the last several decades. You see churches really focus on being committed to truth, maybe with a lack of grace, or being committed to grace with a lack of truth. And I think God blesses a church and blesses a people when they are really full of both. The more we're like Jesus, the more he, he, He's blessing what we're doing. And so I hope and pray this is the beginning of maybe a, a nationwide revival. I do. As Christians, I feel like we're against American culture. And you talk about marriage between a man and a woman only. No premarital sex Mm -hmm. against the woke movement. The last election cycle was vehemently pro-choice. So what's going on in the church? I mean, we're against the culture, but more people are getting saved and more people are sitting in the pew. There was just a study out a couple months ago that we've now surpassed pre-pandemic church attendance levels. So tell me what you feel for 2024. Are you feeling a faith shift. A lot of the problem is we say the right thing the wrong way oftentimes. I think it's very possible to share the good news in a bad way. (laughs) And I think what we see is a culture that's postured in a posture of defense and aggression and debate and division. And if we're not careful, I get sucked into it. If I'm not careful, I get pulled into the fight and the arguments and the and when I do really truly believe that the culture is hungry for truth. I believe the people who are away from God, who do not believe the truth, they may not know what they're hungry for, but they need Jesus. And we have the answer. But oftentimes, I think we burn the bridges that they could otherwise walk across prior to their journey. And so the more that we can open up dialogue and reestablish and reconstruct bridges back toward a lost culture, as much as we we shouldn't compromise and we can't negate our responsibility to stand for, for what is right, But I do believe people are open to the truth when we present it in a Christ-like, grace-filled manner, more open to it than they would be otherwise. Why do you do what you do? 
You got to stand on that pulpit every single week and teach from a book that does not line up with what the world says, what our kids are seeing on social media and in video game chat rooms and what we're seeing on TV and what we hear from the culture and the people. What makes you get out of bed and keep going every day? For me, it definitely has got to be calling. God called me to it. I grew up in a pastor's home. And to be honest with you, the last thing I wanted to be was a pastor. (laughs) I loved my dad. He was my hero. But I just saw a lot of maybe what was uh, wrong with the church. You know, I I would not be doing what I'm doing for any reason other than I felt like God was leading me to do it. And I do feel like my wife and I both are just committed to the purpose. I feel like there's so much purpose to what we're doing as a church in in North America. And it is going to get harder. I don't think it's going to get easier. But the mission and seeing lives change. Now, you know, there's 141 people. That's 141 people who step from darkness to light, from death to life. And that's worth getting up again tomorrow. What can you say to other pastors and to Christians attending church who just know that they need to step up in leadership or they need to step up in serving to encourage them so that every church and every person listening that attends a church has 141 baptism day? Man, I I just, I would say charge on, you know, don't quit, keep on keeping on and don't allow the the distractions of the day um, to, uh, I guess, to, to, uh, to ruin the mission, because I, I do, I do think that's oftentimes what we do. We even in, and I know we're so many different denominations, but but denomination in denominations in, in general, I think probably all face this sometimes. Um, it's just easy to to just talk about what divides us and what uh, you know. I feel like Christians are against Christians and and believers, true believers. I mean, like people who all believe within one percent of each other seem to be kind of pitted against one another in so many different debates and discussions. I think if we united and just said, you know, let's encourage each other, let's let's press on, let's press forward. This this gospel of Jesus is what unites us and and we need to uh we need to have uh, a, a consolidated and collective effort if we're gonna, you know, be used by God to to change anything in this culture. Do you think that there are more mega baptisms ahead? If one person is baptized, it's really a mega baptism. And in the truest of ways, you know, that's beautiful. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred and forty one or one or four thousand. Every one of those souls matter to God. And Jesus died for each one, not just all of them collectively, you know, but every single person who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I celebrate if it's one or if it's a thousand, they all matter to God. All right, thank you very much, Sarah. You can catch all of our noon hour features online anytime in the news podcast section at familylife.org. Just ahead, the Uber driver who saved the day for a troubled teen. On the weather map, we're looking at a fairly stagnant weather pattern. Little change in our skies and more periodic rain and fog. And colder air will ooze into the region later in the week and a few snowflakes will fly then. In the meantime, it'll be cloudy, damp, and mild this afternoon into tonight with rain at times along with areas of fog. High temperatures today within a few degrees of 50, low temperatures tonight in the 40s. Tomorrow, cloudy, a couple of showers and some drizzle. High temps in the 40s and low 50s. Friday, a bit chillier, cloudy, a couple of rain and snow showers, and high temperatures primarily in the 40s. All right, very good, Kevin. Finally at noon, from Alabama, the story of a teen in trouble and the Uber driver who went Uber and beyond to help. Excitement apparently got the better of 16-year-old Alex Tisdale, whose dad had just gifted him eight 
$8,000 in cash so he could go out and buy a new motorcycle. In a tizzy, Tisdale grabbed an Uber to go buy the bike but left the bag with the cash behind. I was pacing around the parking lot just thinking where, where could I put it, where would it be? Well, veteran Uber driver Esban Camo eventually noticed the left-behind bag of cash in his back seat, and he remembered his young passenger for the positive impression he left. He told me how his dad is proud of him and how he's also very proud of him, okay? And he said something which made me feel very good. Well, via the Uber app, the two eventually reconnected and the teen got his cash back. And both he and the drivers say the kindness and honesty on display in their short encounter was a good example for everybody. Just be grateful for what you have. That's all I can say. When you do something good, okay, it comes back 10 times. I like that math. That's the world we live in for Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. As always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.